opening up the Bible, sharing, and uh, it's just been great. We're looking forward to another great evening. we got lots of uh, great things going on, so we're just going to get started right into it. The choir's going to sing, and as soon as the choir's done singing and as they're coming down and stuff, then I want Kogan to come up, open us up in prayer, and then talk about uh, the Bible conference, exposition conference that will be at his church in the fall. So we want him to do that. So choir, let's go ahead and sing. I sit here and think about just what he's done Start counting my blessings one by one I know I don't deserve all that he's done for me But I'll praise him forever through eternity
closer than a brother. There is no judgment. Oh, how he loves me. I've got a friend, and he is my strength. He is my portion. He's with me in the valley, with me in the fire. He's with me in the storm. Let all Oh, yeah. 
Praise the Lord. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, thank you for this time to gather in your house once more with your people. And Father, it is in the darling name of the Lord Jesus that we do come. And Father, we thank you for the sweet songs of Zion that have already lifted up the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, what a Savior, what a God you are. There is none like you, O Jehovah. And Lord, we praise your great name tonight. And Lord, we pray that your blessing would be in this place, that your spirit would rest in this place. Lord, I pray that every song would uplift you. Lord, I pray that you would use Brother Steve and Brother Jake tonight, fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would anoint them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would loose their tongues, illuminate their minds, give them a grade or understanding to say, Thus saith the Lord. And Lord, help them to say everything you'd have them to say, nothing that you wouldn't. And God, let us have open hearts and open ears to receive what the Lord would say unto us tonight. And Lord, may you make a clear application of the Word of God to our lives to be able to further the kingdom and the glory of God. And Lord, we praise you. Thank you for being so good to us. Lord, we sure do love you tonight because you first loved us. And Lord, we bless you and we praise you for all you've done. And Lord, we want to praise you for what you're going to accomplish tonight and in the days ahead. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. And amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's been so great so far. And I do want to say thank you to the church and for letting this meeting go on and for the, having this great meeting and having everybody in and taking care of everybody, all the places to stay and all the food. We're going to leave about 30 or 40 pounds heavier than when we came. And, but it's been a blessing to be here. But I do want to let you know and want you to keep this on your calendar. And I know maybe some can't make it, but if you are able to make it in... September of this year, 20, the 20th through the 22nd, that is Wednesday through Friday, September 20 through 22, we will have a conference about just like this, uh, just same kind of idea, same kind of concept in the mornings, the Bible Exposition Conference, and the sessions will be in the morning on Thursday and Friday, and then Wednesday through Friday will be evening services like these. Brother Steve will be there, Brother Jake will be there, Brother Dale, Brother Mike will be there, and so we'll have these speakers, and it'll be a great time together uh, learning from the Word of God. We already got some things in the work. We're talking about maybe taking one book of the Bible and all preaching a different uh, passage in it, something like that. And so we got some things that are in the works, and the Lord's going to bless. And we want you to be a part of that. If you can't make it, we certainly want you to keep it on your calendar and pray for us that the Lord would bless it. And let me mention this. Uh, if you haven't already signed on or tuned into it, me and Dale have a podcast, The Exposition Expedition. And so that is basically just going through what expository preaching is, studying the Bible. It's not just for preachers. It's for everybody that wants to go deeper in your Bible understanding and learn more about how to study the Bible. So that's the Exposition Expedition. It's on Apple Podcasts and all those others, Spotify. If you don't have an iPhone like a real Christian, then it's on Spotify and all those other things. Anyways, I always say something I wasn't supposed to say. Anyways, and then let me mention... on. At our church, we start on the second and fourth Sundays doing what we call a Bible exposition class. And I say that to say this, not for you to drive all the way to South Carolina to be a part of that, but we are putting those on YouTube, and it's just YouTube at Bible exposition classes. And so that's some stuff coming up just wanted to inform you about. Praise the Lord. Come on, Brother Dale. Thank you, Brother Sutter. Thank you so much. Brother Grayson, if you could come on up and get ready to sing. He's going to sing the first special. And we're excited about him being a part of this. This is Kogan's brother. You're going to have some help, aren't you? I, I, we was hoping so. But anyhow, this is uh, Kogan's brother, and uh, 
He met her here. Now, tell me if I'm right. Y'all met at this meeting last year. Did, okay, I thought so. So if this meeting has done nothing else, it, it, it helped Grayson. So anyhow, we're excited and uh, we're glad they're going to sing. I want to just give this small devotion and then they're going to sing the first song and then I'm going to introduce the first preacher. Uh, this verse is something we all, we all know this. I mean, if you know anything about the Bible, we know this verse. But it, it has so been heavy on my heart and uh, it, it's, an amazing it's an amazing thing because the Bible is a living book. And it's, it's, it's so amazing. You can read one verse so many times, read it your whole life. And if you'll listen to God, God will speak to you. God will show you some things. In John 1, 1, and you can quote this, in the beginning, it's an amazing thing to me. What's well, the word? <laughs> that, that, that thrills me. Before, and thank God for our church buildings, thank God for all the things God has blessed us with and God has done for us. But before all of those things was the Word. We know this verse. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. So when you hold this, it wasn't the Word in the beginning with leather bound and gold leaf pages and markers and notes and all those type of studies. It was God's word. Here's how wonderful God is. God preserved it for us. Something from the very beginning of time, God has given to us as his children. We ought to be so excited about the word of God. It ought to thrill us to know. And we was looking at some antiques yesterday, and, and I, love, I love old type stuff, and I love all kinds of stuff that you can, old type of music and old type of, I love all that. Before anything ever existed, we had his word. It's perfect. It's holy. It's pure. Think about that. In the beginning was the word. How can we not preach something so wonderful? How can we not read something so wonderful? How can we not have a meeting just to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and to expound the word? Of God, I thank God for his word, don't you? I'm excited about tonight. In just a moment, I want to introduce our first speaker. And he has been such a blessing to us this week. And I'm glad God let him be a part of this meeting. But Brother Grayson, y'all sing for us before the first preacher. Say about it, my 
this love and how great this love oh it's faithful through my failures this trusted love is with me till the end and how great this love it's closer than a brother and this is love he died so I could live and he is good and he is God and what I earn it's not what I got and he is just, yet oh so kind. What I deserve, it's not what I find. What more could I say about it? My God is love. Because he is good, and he is God and what I earn it's not what I got and he is just yet oh so kind what I deserve it's not what I find what more could I say about it my God is love. What more could I say about him? My God is love. That was wonderful. And uh, wonderful and true. And uh, that's absolutely right about our God and our Father. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, it's so good to have my friend, Brother Stephen Cox. You come on up, get ready to preach to us. And uh, God is blessing him tremendously. I mentioned this the other night. Um, go on Facebook, go on YouTube, watch these services, and uh, see what God is doing at their church and uh, what God is doing with Brother Stephen. And uh, I appreciate men that are like-minded. And uh, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's getting hard to find people that are just biblically balanced. Just love God and love his word. I want to serve Jesus. And uh, I appreciate this man of God. Brother Stephen, you preach to us. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And we're going to be there. Last night I was Mark chapter 7. And uh, 2019 I uh, preached through the gospel of Mark. And these messages were dear to my heart. Uh, one message that I, I, it was after the fact, after I'd preached through this text, uh, I preached it uh, through and of course I started thinking about um, what I'd preached and I, I wrote some things down that I thought would help some pastors out of Mark chapter 3 verses 7 through verse number 21. Now, to give you just a little backdrop of what's going on in the life of Jesus, he's in Capernaum. And Jesus is, of course, his earthly ministry is wide open at this point. He's healing the sick. He's, uh, a matter of fact, here in, in Mark chapter 3, in the beginning part, he starts there in that synagogue. I've stood in that synagogue. We, we talked about that uh, this morning or last night. They're going into the Holy Land and 
uh, right across the way, just about 100 yards from there. Jesus would have lived in that house there. And, and this was the synagogue here that Jesus would have stood. And this man, uh, some commentators believe that uh, this man had come in with a withered hand. It was maybe a plot, though the man did have a withered hand. And uh, the Herodians and the Pharisees, they, they had been uh, kind of getting together. They were wanting to set Jesus up. Really, they were wanting to kill Jesus. And, and they were wanting to see if Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath day. And so, uh, of course, Jesus in this synagogue, he does heal this man. And, and, and the Bible says in verse number 5 that he looked about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. It broke the heart of our Savior to look upon these men because He knew what was in their heart and it angered Him. It was a righteous anger. There's some things that we should be angry at. One of those things is sin, our sin, right? And we, we uh, Jesus looked at the anger of these or the rather the heart of these and it angered Him. But then the Bible says that it, it grieved Him. It grieved Him. It broke His heart. He was grieved for the hardness of the heart. And he saith to the man in verse 5, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as others. And now notice verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel against the Herodians, or with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. So they, they were conniving. They were wanting to kill Jesus. They were so upset, Brother Dale, that they wanted to destroy him. And by the way, can I just say this? Anytime you do anything for the Lord, there will be opposition. We talked about that last night. Detractors, they're going to be there. They're going to try to oppose you. Jesus then in verse number 7 does something that I want to pick up in the text for, for sake of time and give uh, Pastor Jake plenty of time to preach this evening. I, I want to uh, preach uh, just a few minutes tonight on, on this, out of this, this text, pressures that come with a faithful ministry. Pressures that come with a faithful ministry. And I want, I want everyone that is in ministry, and you say, Pastor, you're talking about pastors and missionaries and full-time. No, no, no. If you're serving, I want you to listen. And I hope that's the entire church. I hope that you'll listen to this because there are some pressures. There are some things that come as you see the blessings of God. As your ministry begins to grow, there will be pressures that come because in verse number 7 the Bible says, But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples. The pressure had gotten so real the opposition had gotten so uh, fierce that Jesus withdrew himself. They were going to kill him. And also, Brother Dale, there was so much, uh, matter of fact, we'll see it, there were so many people following Jesus. Notice this in verse 7, and a great multitude. Everywhere that Jesus was going, a great multitude was following him. If you go down to verse number, I believe it is in the same chapter, verse number uh, 35 and then verse number 1 uh, of, of chapter 4. I think it's verse number maybe 25 or no. Uh, one of those verses and in, in another verse in verse uh, chapter number 3 talks about the multitude that followed Jesus. I know chapter 4 and verse number 1 talks about a great multitude. There was many verses that everywhere Jesus went, a multitude followed him. And by the way, they didn't just follow him from afar off. They pressed upon him. 
The Bible would use the word throng. It would be a pressing, almost a, uh, if you were uh, what we call uh, claustrophobic, if you don't like people around you that much, if you've ever been to Disney before, if you've ever been to a theme park at the middle of spring break or maybe at the peak time and you're around and you're like, man, the crowds are bothering. Can you imagine what Jesus dealt with? The pressures that came along with the multitude and their they're pressing upon him. Large crowds flocking him. Matter of fact, it's verse 20 of chapter 3. Verse number 1 of chapter 4. There was things that was happening. And look at verse number 5. There was a great multitude. It tells where the multitudes come from. In verse number 8, from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan and there Tyre and Sidon, and a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. So there was a mixture between the Jews... And the Gentiles. There was a, a, a city a few miles, or actually it was ten cities, and they called it Decapolis. And they would come over, and there, there was Greeks, and there was different ones, and Jews were mixed in, and they were following Jesus, not for Jesus, the Messiah, but what Jesus could actually do for them. The crowds, the pressure. And here's what he said in verse 9, and he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the, there it is again, the multitude, lest they should what? Throng him. The multitudes were so real and so the pressure was so thick that he had to escape on a boat with his disciples. Look at verse number 10. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed. You see it? The thronging, the pressing. The multitude, the following, they're coming unto him. The more that Jesus did, the bigger the crowd got. There are pressures that come with a faithful ministry. The first thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes in this text is found in verse number 7, 8, 9, and 10. The crowd, number one, let me say this, expect to be pressured by those who want something from you. Expect to be pressured by those who want something from you. These people wanted something from Jesus. Can I make a statement tonight that a growing popularity also means great pressure? Jesus experienced this pressure in any and all of the forms that he had. Anyone who pursued faithful or pursues faithful ministry should be prepared for the same type of pressure that Jesus faced. Can I say this underneath that in verses 7 through verse number 10? They will impose on you. This crowd will impose on you. Literally, they will, they will seek to find you. Jesus withdraws and he's hoping for maybe some quiet time with his disciples. And we often maybe picture Jesus sitting under a tree with beautiful green grass and a nice fluffy little lamb over here. And we see those pictures, but that is not how Jesus' ministry was. Jesus' ministry was often chaotic. It was busy, it was noisy, it was crazy. And yet we think that we're just sitting under this nice little tree with little lambs running around us and soft little music playing. That was Jesus just tiptoeing through the tulips and, and healing people and singing and whistling. No, no, it was crazy. And the more that Jesus did, Brother Jay, the bigger the crowds got. 
But what was sad was none of them were there for him. They were there for what he could do. And they did not mind imposing themselves. They did not mind throwing themselves because the Bible says in verse 10, he healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him. They wanted to touch him because they seen what he could do for others. And, and if he could do it for them, then surely he could do it for me. And the Bible says in verse 10, as many that had plagues. We're talking about diseases. And I'm not talking about a cold either. I'm not talking about a hangnail. I'm talking about some of them had leprosy. Some of them had diseases, no doubt. Uh, an issue of blood, we, we know. And, and maybe they had leukemia and cancers and they had all kinds of different uh, major diseases and they would come to Jesus hoping that they could just touch Him. Could you imagine what that chaotic scene looked like? Verse number 11. And an unclean spirits. We talked about that last night. Everywhere Jesus went, demons showed up. Here he is, an unclean spirit in verse number 11. When they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. you know what this is? This is not them showing reverence. This is not them uh, submitting to authority. This is them trying to control. The reason they're actually saying, You're the Son of God, they're trying to control the narrative. But Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit because he is the authority. Can you see what's going on here? It's chaos. Can I just say, understand this reality? People you serve will impose on you and not give you a second thought. It simply is the nature of the work of the ministry. Now, please don't misunderstand me, church. People is the ministry. Don't think that we're trying to whine or we're trying to uh, get up here and have a little violin and get you to feel sorry for ministry leaders. And though, no, no, no. We're understanding that a faithful work, we, we're, we're in this for the people. Without people, Brother Jake, there'd be no one to preach to. There'd be no one to minister to, no one to counsel. But there are some that make a ministry out of imposing the servant. There were some here in this text that imposed themselves on Jesus. Now look at verse number 11 again. And the unclean spirit, when they saw him, they fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Verse 12, And straightway, or straightly uh, charged them that they should not make him known. Now, I, I want to say this. There will be some that will impose you, but there will be also some that will seek to even hinder you. See, Jesus continues to confront and conquer this demoniac as, as a proof that the kingdom of God had arrived. I mean, you can go back to chapter number 1 and verse 23 through verse 28. You can go to verse number 32 of chapter 1 and verse number 39. Demons fall down before him. They acknowledge that he is the authority. You can understand this, but Jesus again demands their silence in verse 12. He charged them that they should not make him known. Now, what was the purpose of this demon? I believe the purpose of this demon was to stop what Jesus, try to hinder what he was going to do. I said this last night, but we do face satanic opposition. 
We face spiritual warfare. I said it last night. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, uh, blood, but against principalities and powers and, and we uh, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. We are fighting spiritual battles that sometimes we're not spiritual enough to understand. That's why he tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because Satan is wanting to knock us out of the battle. So some will, will impose you. Some will hinder you. Listen. Pressures that come from a faithful ministry. The first thing, realize this. Expect to be pressured by those who want something from you. Remember this. We must not allow ourselves to be manipulated by ungodly agendas regardless of the praise we may be paid the positions we may be proffered or the prosperity that we may be promised. There are people that are climbing the ladder, trying to reach the top, and that's not how God operates. He says that we must... In order for him to increase, we must decrease, right? I must decrease, uh, but he must increase. Why? Because the way up for God is down. But the devil wants us to be hindered by money. He wants us to be hindered by fame. He wants us to be hindered by notoriety. He wants us to be hindered by whatever it is as long as it stops us. Listen, let me tell you something. There's pressures that come with a faithful ministry. And as your church grows and as you see success, there'll be some that will try to come in and say, Oh, and they will try to impose you and feed the flesh and feed your ego and feed your pride. And what's that do? It stops you. It stops you. What was Satan trying to do? Hinder Jesus. Here's the second thing about this pressure ministry. Expect to be pressured by those who want to be with you. Now the first thing was expect to be pressured by those who want something from you. But secondly, expect to be pressured by those who want to be with you. Look at verse number 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and he calleth unto him whom he would. Now here's what he's doing. He's calling his disciples, 12 of them. And they came unto him. The whole purpose of Jesus going on that little ship that was waiting there is people were following and thronging them and pressing them is Jesus wanted to go into the mountain and pray. He had a purpose. He wanted to call the twelve to help him minister. By the way, it's biblical for us to have help. We can't do it on our own. Jesus sees these men who want to be with him. Jesus calls them and they come. He goes to a mountain. He's away from the crowds. Mountains are important. We see mountaintops. Where I preached about one last night. The transfiguration of our Savior. And, and he used mountains. He used mountains to preach. He used mountains to pray. He used mountains for the Great Commission. He used them. And here he calls the 12 disciples in a mountain. Because these disciples, clearly Jesus saw something in them. And as a crucial decision in his ministry and the building of his kingdom, can I say this about those who want to be with you? Call out to the ones who want to spend time with you. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, look with me in verse 13. He, he goeth up into a mountain and he calleth unto them whom he would and they came unto him. Now here's what he, here is what he does in verse 14. He ordained twelve 
that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. The purpose of Jesus calling the twelve was for them to go into the four corners of the earth and to go and to preach the gospel and to heal and to, and to do all these things. And Jesus is giving them a clear commission, calling them as his disciples. You can go back to verse number 7. They would follow him, be with him, learn from him. And like apprentices, they, they were called his apostles in verse number uh, 14. or you, you, That's what they would be, the, the ordained, the 12 apostles is what they would be referenced to. And they would be sent by him and with authority to proclaim the gospel that is coming. Jesus is headed to the cross. And on a mountain, Jesus appoints them to carry out this great commission. You think about it, look at verse 14 or verse 15 and they have power to heal sickness and cast out devils and Simon, he, his surname uh, Peter and James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James and their surname uh, them Barnages and, and which is the sons of thunder. So these two brothers, the sons of thunder and Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite. And of course, verse 19, Judas is mentioned, which is also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Jesus calls these 12 because Jesus wants to invest in them. Jesus wants to mentor them. Jesus wants to uh, uh, send them out. He's pouring into them. And can I say tonight that as a preacher of the gospel, as a pastor of a church, there'll be some, and pastors, you need to notice this, and ministry leaders, you need to notice this. Those who want to be with you, invest in them. There's not enough mentorship in our churches. There's not enough discipleship in our churches. There's not enough calling in our churches. And men, listen, invest in those. You Every time you turn around and you look and you see a young man with you, there's a reason for that. Invest in him. We don't have enough of that today. Jesus was constantly pouring into these men. Why? Because he had a purpose for them. And by the way, he loved them. We need that in our churches today. We need someone. And I thank God for those that invested in me. I was that preacher who followed these preachers. Every time they'd be somewhere, I'd be sitting on the front row. And I'm glad they took the time, hey, to mentor me. I'm glad they took the time to take me to Waffle House. I'm glad they took the time. Hey, praise God on that. I'm glad they took me uh, fishing with them and hunting with them. Why? Because I was just soaking up everything, wanting to be just like they were. Brother Dale, we need that. You asked last night, preacher, what do you think uh, the difference is that generation and this generation? I believe one of the reasons is because we're not investing in the next generation. Jesus calls his 12 disciples away in the mountain. Why? To pour into them. You can't pour into anyone when it's the press. You can't pour into anyone when you're being thronged. Take them away. But I want you to recognize something about this text. Look with me in verse 19. And Judas Iscariot. They list all of the 12 disciples. Now, there's three or four of them that's mentioned quite a bit. We, we don't know much about the rest of the eight. They're mentioned from time to time. We'll, when we get to heaven, we'll know more about their faithfulness. Peter, James, and John, we know quite a bit about them. Judas, we know quite a bit about Judas. 
By the way, Judas was called. But every time Judas is mentioned in the list of the disciples, it always lasts. And every time Judas is mentioned, he's always entitled the betrayer. Can I say this about those that want to be with you? There will be some that will disappoint you. Look at verse 19. Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. The Bible's brutally honest, isn't it? It notes the successes. It notes the failures. It has integrity in its reporting. And as an example, the ugliness of a fallen humanity, a man like Judas Iscariot, one of the ones that betrayed Jesus Christ. In every list, as I said, he's last. He's always mentioned as a betrayer. He did not worm his way in. He was chosen. He gave evidence of loyalty. He even served as the treasury in John chapter 4. And though he was dishonest in his assignment, all of this reminds that if you live long enough and serve enough, you will be disappointed by people with whom you love and thought loved you. I've even heard the excuse that some preachers say, I'm not going to invest much anymore because a bunch of them have been disloyal to me. Listen, friend, you, every now and then that's going to backfire and someone may hurt you and someone may turn on you, but that does not mean that we just stop investing in others. Some will disappoint. Some will, and listen, there'll be some that you thought would take a bullet for you. You thought that just had your back and come to find out they put a knife in your back with their fingerprints all over it. Friend, that's not any reason for us to stop investing and loving and caring and withdrawing ourselves, pouring into others. This man named Judas Iscariot, we need to realize that with pressure... You get pressured by those who want to be with you, but sometimes that pressure brings out the disappointment. Here's the last thing. Number three, expect to be pressured by those who misunderstand you. Look with me in verse number 20. I believe this one hurts the worst. Look at Mark chapter 3 and verse number 20. And the multitude cometh together again. So now they're... They, 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 they've withdrawn themselves the mountain, but now the multitude has come back together, so the scene has changed. They're back in the public eye. So that they could not so much as eat bread. Now notice this. Jesus goes back from the mountain. Brother Jake, he goes back into the multitude, but this time it's even more crazy because the Bible says in verse 20 that they did not even have enough time to eat. And can I say, that is a bad time. There's not enough time to eat. We got a problem. It's one thing to be misunderstood. It's one thing to be let down. It's one thing to be betrayed. It's hard to put into words what it feels like when it's your family that betrays you. And when it's your family that misunderstands you. And in this text, in just these two verses, Jesus returns home. And I believe it's probably Capernaum that he's home. Maybe the home of Peter and Andrew that right there in Capernaum, right across the way from the synagogue. I believe this is where it is. And, and, and I believe there's a controlling thing that takes place in verses 20 and 21. Because with this, 
this misunderstanding, in verses 20 and 21, there is a controlling thing that takes place. The crowds descend in Jesus and, and they're crowding in Capernaum and they're, they're pressing in and Jesus cannot even, he cannot even malnourish himself. He cannot even feed himself and things are, are he can't even find time and space to eat. Can you imagine the chaotic scene? People are completely socially unaware. They care for no one but themselves. They will monopolize. They will use they will try to get his power. They were trying to throng and throw themselves upon them. They completely misunderstand that his true mission and his true agenda is to get to the cross and deal with their real need. They didn't see that. They didn't care about that. All they wanted was the temporal. All they wanted was something that would just satisfy them for today. They didn't see the big picture. They didn't understand the message. They didn't understand why Jesus was doing what he was doing. Hey, listen, the message was the cross. The, the message was the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The, the message was real hope. It was salvation from their sin and from hell. And still today, people are socially unaware. People who lack kingdom mindset reflect ancient crowds' mistake. They often flock to the big name preacher. They often try to cling themselves and try to go up the ladder, if you will. However, they are completely, they completely miss the message these leaders preach and they will smother if they're given a chance. Listen, let's not miss the big picture. There are no such things as a big preacher. There's no such thing as a big preacher. Oh, I, I thank the Lord for the opportunity to preach every now and then somewhere, Brother Jake. I appreciate the opportunity. Your pastor has been so kind. Pastor Mike has been so kind. And, and, and uh, Brother Dale and, and Brother Kogan and Brother Jake, we've had a great time. And listen, just because your name gets on a little social media advertisement does not mean you're big. And it doesn't mean that you should think we're big because we have a big God. Only reason I'm standing here is because of the grace of God. And these people misunderstood the reason that Jesus was doing what he was doing. And they wanted attention. Oh, I can spot them. You can spot them. The name droppers. The people who want the recognition, the people who want to rub elbows, the people that want, hey, I don't want none of that. Why? Because all of that is smothered in pride. Preachers don't get bit by the big name bug. Don't get that. Don't think you have to be somebody. You make much of Jesus. You lift him up. These people could not understand. They'll try to control you. They're trying to control these, they're trying to, and by the way, what hurts is it's, the Bible uses the word friends. Look at verse 21. And when his friends, this was his close relatives. Some commentators believe this was his family. His friends, those that was closest to Jesus, heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him. Now listen, can you imagine Brother Dale, you're actually going to restrain Jesus? Hold on a second. I've heard some preachers take the, the context, out of context, touch not thine anointed and all that, talking about a king and trying to put that in the, the context of a preacher and all that. 
uh, that, you know, application may be there a little bit. I'm not even sure if it's there. But I know this. You better not lay hold of Jesus. You better watch how you handle Jesus. I'd be very careful how I handle the Son of God. And the Bible says in verse 21 that they uh, went out to lay hold on Him. What are you trying to say? They may try to actually stop you. Oh, listen, I'd be careful trying to stop what God is doing. They went out to lay hold on Him for they said He is beside Himself. You know what they're saying about Jesus? This man is crazy. He's crazy. We need a straitjacket. We need something here to stop him. This is the first mention of Jesus' family, his friends. And by the way, it does not reflect well. This is not a good time in the life of Jesus. I'm sure that he's looking around thinking, is there anybody that is on my side right now? Is there anybody that cares about my need? I'm sure Jesus looked at a loaf of bread there for a minute and thought, how nice would it be to just sit under a tree and eat a little piece of bread? And his family thought that he was crazy. The crowds would not even let him nourish himself. You say, Pastor, what do you, what do you get from this text? Can I just give you some sound advice and I'll sit down. You might want to write these down. You want, might want to go back on the live stream and, and, and go back and rehearse these. But these are in the text. These are lessons that I believe we learn from pressure of a faithful ministry. The first thing is this. Know who you are and know why you are here. Know who you are and know why you are here. You say, where do you find that? Verses, I just read them, but verse, right out beside it, verses 10 through verse 12. What's the reason? Well, we see the reason Jesus had healed many. He was casting out devils. He was, uh, he, he was having uh, uh, authority over demons. I mean, Jesus was on a mission. Hey, preacher, can I say this? Ministry leader, know why you're here. And know who you are. Realize that we're in Christ. And realize that we're a representative, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And know who you are. And by the way, be comfortable with it. Be comfortable. I've, I've been around preachers that didn't know who they were. And it's weird. It's awkward. I'm like, what are you? Who are you? Who are you trying to be this week? Who are you trying to please this week? Who are you trying to butter up to this week? Listen, know who you are and know why you're here. And by the way, it'll make the pressure of ministry a little easier. Second thing, make time to get away. Take control of your schedule and your calendar. And if you don't, Others will. You say, Pastor, where do you find that? Verse 13. Jesus went away. You say, Pastor, I, I, I heard some, and maybe of the old school, but some preachers would brag about never taking a vacation. Folks, that is true spiritual burnout. Not getting away, not taking time. And, and listen, we sometimes think that a getaway has to be a long distance away, but a getaway could be just shutting your phone off and driving across town and getting a meal and having some sanity. First, how about number three? Surround yourself with others you can train, delegate to, and send out to do the work of the ministry. 
We find that in verses 13 through verse number 19 where he poured into, Brother Jake, those men on that mountain. We need a mountain ministry. Who are you mentoring? Pastor? Preacher? Who are you mentoring? Right now. Who are you pouring into? I'm not talking about your own son, though I would hope you're doing that. I'm talking about who is it in the ministry, what we would call a son in the faith. Number four, I know this is going over like screen doors on a submarine, but I'm, I'm going to tell it anyhow. Number four, recognize that no matter how hard you try and how much you invest, some are going to disappoint you. Verse 19, there'll always be a Judas. There'll always be a Judas. Number five, remember that ministry is 24-7. And the calling requires your constant attention and your constant management. That's found in verse number 20. Jesus had to come off the mountain at some point. There were some things he had to tend to. Number six, understand that those closest to you may misunderstand you and even oppose you in verse 21. Boy, nothing hurts like when your family misunderstands you. And then last, number seven, never forget. All that matters in your life and ministry is that you please God. All that matters. And by the way, if we went and had time to preach the rest of that text in verse number 35, or whosoever shall do the will of God, that same chapter, the same as my brother and my sister and mother. What he's saying is the closest to me are those that's concerned about the will of God. Listen, you may have not got one thing out of that. I hope you did because it's expository preaching. I hope you got fed. But let me say this. If you are a ministry leader, there are pressures that come with it. Just in one week, we've had four pastors that we know of resign. I get calls weekly. Weekly. Do you know someone looking for a preacher? We need a, we need a pastor. We need, we need someone over here. Our church needs a pastor. Why are we having 1,600 pastors resign monthly? Why the pressures? They're real. Ministry leaders are real. I know churches right now, good churches that need a shepherd. They need someone to stand and feed them. And there's nobody there. We're, we're trying to have fill-ins. Brother Jake, you have a few guys right now trying to fill. I have a guy right now. Hey, that's trying to help. Listen, you say why? Because there are pressures that come and some get in the fire and they don't take care of themselves. We need you. And listen, we need to realize that we have a help and a helper. We have a comforter. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. And we have the man of God. And we have the people of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for opportunity to preach. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to just pour into some few... And just the last few days has encouraged my heart being around other men of God. Lord, I feel like these meetings, I'm able to sit around and listen. Pastor Gary was just telling us stories last night and pouring into us a little bit. Lord, my soul craves mentorship. 
Lord, often we need to just pull away and say, Lord, I've, I need some rest. I need to be with you. And we know that the best a preacher can be is when he's been with you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. We understand this. Every Christian should have a ministry. Every Christian should have a church. Out of the local church, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Stephen, thank you. There were so many things in that message. And uh, the greatest quote was what you said about the screen door and the sub. But I, I think maybe it the par partially there was so much in there. I was trying to glean, and I'm sure everyone else was too. If you're a part of this church, you should have a ministry. You should be serving somewhere, some aspect. How many, maybe we're all guilty of this, how many, we, we were young Christians, we were, had a zeal, we were excited, we found the plate, and maybe Brother Mike or Brother Gary came or somebody came and said, man, we, we need this position. Man, we was ready. We absolutely will do that. And then somebody disappointed us, and we stopped serving. What an example Christ gives us to be a servant, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to do something for him, don't you? I want to serve him. I want to live. And uh, go back and listen to that message. It'll help. We're, we're all going to get disappointed. We're, we're all going to be for All those things are going to happen. But I'm glad Jesus didn't quit. I'm glad Jesus fulfilled the service that God gave him. And if you're, not, if you're part of Nottingham, if you're not serving in some capacity, man, find a place. And, and I'm telling you, we heard it. We're gonna, you're going to be disappointed. There's going to be people that's going to be disappointed. All those things are going to happen. But let's be like Jesus. Let's just keep serving. Let's find a ministry. Let's do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to do more for him, don't you? And uh, thank you, brother. That was an amazing message. Brother Mike, you come. We're going to have a congregation, and I think we'll do the offering right now and whatever else needs to be done. But uh, I, I want you to go back and listen to that message. I want to go back and listen to that message. That helped us so much and uh, that we must, we must all, we're going to be disappointed. Those things are going to happen. And I don't want to be the one that disappoints, do you? I don't want to be the one that turns back like Jesus had, and, uh, but I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Mike, you come and help us right now. Daryl, Katie, if you all can come around. We'll get some ushers to come. <clears throat> we'll get ready to take up our offering. As we said, all week these offerings will go uh, to uh, our evangelists that are with us, our uh, friends that have come and visit everything for the, for the week, and what a blessing it's been already. Uh, thank you. Steve, wow. I'll tell you what a blessing. And and Dale's right. Uh, we're blessed to have, hey, our sound men have a ministry. Amen. They put together this stuff. They make sure it's online. If you know anything about our stuff, it's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on Roku. It's on, I don't know. It's in the cloud. I don't know. It's there. Huh? Boxcast. Right? You can go back and get that stuff. That was a message that he's right. You could probably listen to about five minutes, pause it, think about it for a while, beat yourself up, repent, start all over again, okay? All right? And then, uh, but boy, we just thank the Lord for that. Thank you so much. It's just been great. Uh, Sean, would you have some blessing on the offering this evening? We thank you for this time we can gather. Thank you for the preachers that came in, Lord. We pray that you bless the giver. 
We pray that you would bless the rest of the night. Be with us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 281. 281. Everybody stand. Helps a meeting like this, and uh, Pastor Pope Schuler, I want you to come on up. We had Brother Jason Mitchell um, testify for about five minutes last night. Brother Pope's going to do the same thing. I remember when God began to deal with him about being a preacher, and uh, I think God did that many years ago. But God really specifically began to deal with him, and uh, I, I've watched Brother Pope just do. He'll call me every now and then. He, he called me years ago and talk about an outline or, or how to how to take this verse by verse thing and seriously. And but it didn't take long to. He'd give me his outline, Brother Mike, and I'm thinking, I'm going to borrow that outline. That's good. But anyhow, he'd ask me, but uh, God's blessing him at Gateway. Man, they're remodeling. They're doing many things. They're going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. As Brother Mike has said many, many times, it's, it's just because somebody decided to preach the Bible, take the Word of God, and that God is blessing the efforts at Gateway. So, Brother Pope, you come tonight. First of all, I want to thank Brother Dale for he's younger than me. But he's, uh, he's helped me immensely in the word, encouraged me. And uh, brother, I want to thank you for your influence on my heart and my Bible. Uh, I only got a few minutes, but my heart is beating so fast. I wish I had an hour to tell you what he asked me to tell you. And that is what expository study and preaching has done in my life. It has turned me inside out and upside down. It has given me boldness. I feel empowered. I feel like I'm unstoppable. Yes. But the, what's crazy 
is that as an early Christian, I, I, I would go into churches and I would see men of God and preachers and, and, and other people. And I'd be like, I could never be that because they are whatever is between the italics. You know, it's like, I can't be that funny. I can't be this. I can't be that. And, and I would get stuff, but it really didn't affect my life. And I, sometimes I'd leave funny, sometimes they would break my heart, sometimes. And, and, and I was getting some things out of the Bible, but I wasn't being changed in the Word. And, and because I didn't have what they had, I felt like I couldn't do what they were doing. And I, I'll just give you an example of some things that I've learned really quick. Um, I've been preaching in the book of Acts. And... and the last few weeks, I've been in Acts chapter 19. And it's funny because what the Lord did there with the Apostle Paul, he comes in to these disciples at Ephesus. And he talks to them. They have a discussion. And he shares with them the word. And then he preaches the word with boldness, the Bible says. And he preaches the word. And, and, and many received the word. And many challenged the word. And a lot didn't receive the word. Yes. And Paul just lived the word. Yes. And as I get down through the scriptures, I started to notice that this one thing that happened in verse 20, the Bible said, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Yeah. Exactly. And as I'm reading this, I'm starting to recognize what had happened in my life. It's, I've got so many things running through my head. I've got to share with you about this Bible study because... What I started to notice that there were some things that happened with the word of God. And in an expository preaching, what had changed with me was I realized that I didn't need the fanciness. And if you want it, I can give it. If you want the stories, I can tell stories with the best of them. I, I can try all that stuff. Yes, yes. But all I'm going to do is affect your life the way mine was affected. But you know what made the difference? When I started to understand truth. Truth is what began to change me as a, as a Christian. It, it started to cause a desire in my life. And I realized that I could obtain truth through studying the word of God. Yes. You see, when I looked at it, the, there were some things that it started to reveal to me. And, and then I realized that this exposition of the, of the scripture was this, the idea of understanding the words. And what I did was I grabbed my Bible in James chapter 1 and I started there and, and I was told I wasn't allowed to do that. I was told that if I looked at a word and I tried to look at the definition that I ought to read five verses and in five verses I'll know what it means. And I would read a hundred verses and I didn't really know what it meant so I got out my dictionary. And I started looking at all the definitions and I realized why they chose that word in the Bible. And it started to enlighten my mind and, and then the... I was like, wow, look at that. And, and then I started to realize that that word laid upon that word. And what they were trying to do there, that precept laid upon this precept. And that the idea of the context of the scripture started to give me understanding to the Bible. I started to get hungry. It started to burn in my heart. And you know what it did? It gave me confidence in boldness and truth. Do you realize that when Paul preached, he didn't preach because he was Paul. He went in because he had confidence in understanding of the word of God. You know, when you understand the word of God, it gives you a boldness. Here's what I know to be true. That if a sinner calls upon Jesus, he'll be saved. I can preach that with boldness. 
And I started to find out other things. And when I learned the truth, I entered into a room and I know that with boldness I can preach the truth in the word of God that it has impact on the hearts of men. That's why I'm shaking in my boots. If I could preach to you right now, I would. Because I know what the word of God does in the hearts of men. It's not me. It's the word. And it's like if I chucked you a football, you wouldn't be nervous. But if I chucked you a loaded Colt 45 with a hammer back, baby, you would jump and go, whoa, what are you doing? Because you realize the power that just landed in your hands. That's the word of God. And I started to realize that it didn't matter if they were short, tall, black, white. It, went, it, it didn't matter if they were funny or not funny. But when they got in the truth and they started to preach the word, precept upon precept, ideas of the word of God that you could see contextually, the power was there. It was like a loaded Colt 45 in the hands of the preacher. But here's what happened. I started to notice that the manners of the individual are determined by their motive. When a man gets up and he's preaching the word of God, he doesn't care how he acts, what he says. He doesn't care about the stories. He doesn't care about the jokes. All he cares is about is the power of the word of God. But when somebody gets up and they try to perform, their motives are based upon the idea that if I have influence. But later on in that scripture, the Bible says that God wrought by the hands of Paul. It wasn't, it wasn't Paul that had the influence. It was the word given through Paul. Do you understand that the Bible said at the end of the story, they were coming and they were grabbing all that stuff off Paul and sending out handkerchiefs and people were getting healed. It was the influence of the word of God in the man. It was never the man. You'll never find one time where the Bible talks about the man this, the man that. It was the word. It's the word. It's the word prevailed. It's the word magnified. It's the word preached. It's, it's always about the word. And the Bible said in Acts 19 that the word of God mightily grew, ready, and prevailed. That means it won. You want to have impact in the lives of people. You want to preach in your Sunday school class and, and get up here and preach, preacher. You preach the word. You understand its context. You give the truth of the Bible, and you're like loading a Colt 45 with a hammer back. It's respect. That's what the word did for me. It changed my life. Thank you, preacher. That's my testimony. <laughs> the Bible... It's so powerful, so mighty, and it'll affect, it'll change your life, and uh, no, matter, no matter where you're at in your Christian life, and uh, thank God for the word. Sister Michaela, if you could come get ready to sing for us for the next preacher, and Pastor Polk, thank you so much and uh, for allowing the word of God to develop in your life, and uh, it changes everything. As a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a young person, just get in the Word of God. Let the Bible change your life. And it'll do something for you that nothing else can do. That's what this is all about, just understanding how mighty the Word of God is. Sister Michaela, thank you. You've been singing wonderful, and Kogan, everybody else has been singing. All the singing has been wonderful. The choir has been wonderful. And I thank God. We, we emphasize all this expository preaching and teaching in Sunday schools and preaching and and teaching and, and devotion times and small groups. We emphasize all that. But I will tell you this. 
it makes it a whole lot better when you got the right music. And uh, I, I appreciate all the music and uh, that's been done. So Sister Michaela, thank you and all those that sing. And she's going to sing for us tonight and then I'm going to talk about And that'll be the last message for this particular conference. So Sister Michaela, you sing tonight.
Well, let's get our Bibles open tonight to 1 Kings chapter number 19, and I enjoyed that good singing. One of the highlights of my ministry was at Kogan's last fall when um, Michaela's grandparents sang right before I preached. It was the last time they ever sang together, and I dreamed about a moment like that in ministry, Brother Mike, honestly, to have them sing, and I sat there and wept and hugged their necks when they were done, and it blessed me, and that blessed my heart tonight, and I'm thankful for Michaela and Kogan. I love seeing... Uh, I, I feel like a young person. I'm 42. That's pretty young, but they're really young people, and I'm thankful for them. They're such an encouragement to me. And uh, Brother Mike and Brother Gary, it has been such a joy to spend time with you, and thank you for your encouragement, for your love, for the food. And I love, I could sit around the table with Brother Gary and literally just listen to him talk. And he's, he just encourages me. He makes me laugh. He's smart. I love it. I love being around him and uh, around these other preachers. And of course, uh, Brother Steve, uh, we're together so often, and I love him. His messages always help me, and I'm thankful for him. He's like a grandfather to me in the ministry. Amen. First Kings chapter number 19, let's begin reading in verse 2. I think he's six months older than me, but he looks a lot older than that. Um, and uh, can I, I, I was actually in a restaurant, uh, supposed to meet Steve and Rebecca, dear friends of ours, to eat a few years ago, and they beat me and my wife Sarah uh, to the restaurant. I think we were in Pigeon Forge or somewhere, uh, preaching there, and uh, 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 they beat us to the restaurant, and I went into the, wait the, the hostess there as we walked in, and I said, I'm looking for, there's a pretty blonde and her father, um, that's who we're there to meet. They literally took me right to the table, and, uh, but anyway, I love Steve, and it's good to see, I, I just saw a whole row of friends uh, here, I didn't know y'all were here, I'm honored y'all came and made the trip tonight. First Kings chapter number 19, let's begin reading in verse number 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me more also, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and that requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. I want you to notice these words. For I am not better than my father. As he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time. Aren't you thankful when God shows up a second time? said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of the meat forty days and forty nights, and the horror of the mount of God. 
And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. We're going to work through uh, this entire text tonight. I want to stop there and we're going to pray and talk for a minute. I want to preach to you just a simple message tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for what a wonderful week that we've already had. Lord, I, Lord I've sensed your presence in every service. The reason we know your presence was here is because your word has been preached. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful messages from these men and my friends that I've heard that have helped me. Lord, I pray tonight for just a minute, Lord, on this Friday night, what a great crowd here on a Friday night, Lord. I, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't, Lord, hear from a man tonight, but God, I pray that we'd hear from you. Lord, your word is always right on time. Lord, I believe, Lord, that Lord, uh, at this time tonight, Lord, this message from your word is for somebody. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged. Lord, mine's already been encouraged. Lord, I pray that your name would be magnified and glorified. Lord, I pray that you would help me to decrease so that you can increase, so, so that you could be lifted up in this place. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Your precious in your holy name we pray. Amen. I'm learning each day that so many in the church are carrying burdens, heartaches and problems, battles. Some of these are results in our souls and spirits being affected. And many people are discouraged that I'm around. I don't know about you, but I wish that when I got saved by the grace of God, I wish that every day was a good day. I wish there was never any problems. I mean, I wish there was never any heartache. I wish there was never any tears that were cried. I wish there was never any days where I felt like quitting. I mean, I wish that every day I woke up and I felt like, man, this is the greatest day in the world. But I've, how many of you figured out that sometimes there's some bad days? Sometimes there's some things that don't go the way that we wish they would. And sometimes there's some people that can be disagreeable. Sometimes there can be a situation that can be, un, you know, we can't understand it. We could be going through somewhere. We could be in the valley, as Brother Steve spoke on, I think, last night. And don't you wish that every day was a mountaintop? But how many of you figured out that every day is not a mountaintop? What we find in our text here is the man of God. We find a man that you probably know if you know your Bible, a man named Elijah. He finds himself here sitting under this juniper tree, verse number, verse number 4, and he, he, he makes an odd request for a preacher. He makes an odd request for a man of God. He makes an odd request for a man that's followed God for his entire life. He says, God, I want you to take away my life. And that's an amazing thing to see this in Scripture. Elijah, this prophet, in a place where he, he's just saying this, I don't want to live anymore. And that's a heavy statement to make. That, that's, those are some words to make there that there is definitely something going on in his life. And I want to just for a few minutes tonight preach a message entitled this, Fighting Through the Funk. Elijah, at this moment in his life, he's in what we would call a funk. I mean, he's finding himself in a place that I don't believe he'd ever find himself in. And I'm not talking tonight about clinical depression, where there's some type of mental imbalance in your life. We believe that's very real, and there's people that need medicine and need doctors to work through that. And what I want to talk to you about tonight for just a minute is those normal problems of life that put us in a place where we're discouraged. And listen, this is the preacher, this is the man of God that finds himself in a place where you've probably been before. Waking up one morning, maybe not feeling like going to church. Anybody ever been there before? 
been waking up one morning not feeling like going to work. Waking up one morning just wondering, is it even worth it anymore? Maybe a discouragement in church. Maybe a relational discouragement. Maybe man, a loss or a, a relation that's been strained or a financial issue. What are we to do as believers when we get in a place that we know kind of like Habakkuk prayed, God, where are you? And there's some warning signs that I want to give you. And then I want to give you some causes. And then I want to give you the answer in our text to fighting through the funk. Now Elijah was a man that was called by God and he was sent by God. He was in a day of moral and religious apathy and idolatry and he was called to bring a nation back to God. And aren't you thankful that men are called and God uses men? Thankful for that. He had get, he'd, he'd called this prophet to preach and to turn a nation back to God. He was a prophet of God. He used him in some great ways in Scripture. He saw many wonderful miracles of God. But he, he saw some major conflict. Uh, the, I, I think of that, 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 that verse, and I think it's James chapter number 5, verse number 17, where it says that Elijah was subject to like passions as we are. Man, he struggled just like you do, do and just like I do. And let me just say this as a side note. The people in the scriptures, they're not fairy tale. I don't even like using the word character. They were real people with real problems that lived real life and went through real things. That's who we're talking about in our text. That's who we're reading about. This man of God, this prophet of God, this one called by God, he comes to an, a point in his life where it feels dark, he feels alone, he doesn't want to live anymore, he doesn't want to serve anymore. He's in this dark place. He's in this place where he's looking around and he really feels there's nowhere else he can turn. Notice he doesn't call out for a friend. Notice he doesn't call out for someone else. He calls out to God who is the giver of life and he says, God, I don't want to live any more whether or not that funk that you get in needs medical or psychological treatment I believe every one of us can find help and hope in God's word when we deal with everyday life and the problem of this life man there's some warning signs that we're going into the funk and a couple of them that I just noticed from the life of Elijah is first of all he had forgotten some past victories if you go back and you were to read chapter number 17, verses 1 through 7, just two chapters earlier, he had just seen a great miracle. They had just been fed by ravens. Hey, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, they had just seen the widow's food multiplied. Anybody remember the story? Man, they had just seen a great miracle. Hey, in 1 Kings 17, 17, 24, they had just seen a young man raised from the dead. I'd say that's a pretty big miracle. Hey, in chapter number 18, he had called down fire from heaven. And then chapter number 18, verses 41 through 46, there was a thunderstorm. You see, Elijah, just two chapters earlier, had seen some miracles like you and I have probably never seen in our lives. He had forgotten some past victories. And then look at verses number 2 and 3 of our text. Stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of who? One of them by tomorrow at this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. You know what the second thing that he was doing here? Not only did he forget some past victories, he was magnifying the present problem. He was making this present problem bigger than it was. Hey, you ever met somebody that makes a problem bigger than it is? You ever had a problem in your life and you magnify it? Hey, if you're a person that everything's an emergency, you might want to watch out because you're going to live in the valley. 
Man, magnifying that present problem. Man, I've got some people in my life that they love to do that. When my phone goes off, this is the ringtone I have set for them. You know why? Everything's an emergency. Hey, that's where Elijah was right now. Listen, he, he was looking at some things and they weren't really the way that he was seeing them. He was making them bigger than they really were. So, man, the signs that were in the funk, he forgot some past victories. He's magnifying the present problem in verses 5 through 8. As we're going to see, man, he was experiencing lethargy. He was just sleeping. He didn't want to do anything. He was tired of fighting. He's just laying around. And then verses 4, 10, and 14, you could see this. We could go there. This isn't the message, but he was self-centered. You'll find these words over and over. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's left. I'm the only one. That's not bad. Man, I can't tell you how many I've heard, how many times I've heard that from people of God. Well, preacher, I'm the only one that's serving. I'm the only one that's doing anything. I can tell you this right now, a church this size, you may feel like you're the only one, but it takes an army to do what God's doing here. If we're not careful, we'll get so focused on ourselves, thinking that nobody else is doing anything. I got some news for you, baby. They're probably doing a whole lot more than you are. We've got to be careful about that. Man, he was self-centered. And then notice this, he's using a lack of logic. Man, he, he's at a point that the problem really wasn't that big. And what he's doing is, he, he's, he's over-emotionally reacting to the situation. Man, he's over-emotionally reacting to the situation. And what he ends up doing in verse number 4 is escaping into the wilderness. Getting away. Those are some signs. That's you tonight that, man, if you've forgotten some past victories. Man, if you've magnified some present problems, if you just want to sleep all the time, if you're self-centered, if you feel like you're the only one tonight, this is for you tonight. Listen, if you use a lack of, all, of logic, if you're escaping all the time, man, those are, some, those are some warning signs on the dashboard of the engine of your life saying, hey, you better watch out because you're about to be in that funk. And if you're not careful, you're not going to get out of it. And what was the cause of this funk that he was in? Look at verse number 4. And this is introduction. We'll get to the preaching in a minute for the cure. But look at this. Look at verse 4. What were, what were the causes of his depression? But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. You ever been there? Can't take you anymore. Now, o Lord, take away my life. And this is the phrase. If you write in your Bible, underline this. For I am not better than my father. Listen, you know what one of the causes of depression in our lives is? Being in the funk in our lives is, is this word, comparing. Lord, I'm not better than my fathers. Well, Elijah, you're not called to be your fathers. You're called to be Elijah. If comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise, and let me just say this, this tonight as kindly and graciously as I can, if you're miserable tonight, if you're a person that's always down in the dumps tonight, part of the problem is this. You, many times we're comparing ourselves to a false comparison. We're looking at somebody else's life. We're on social media all the time looking at somebody's highlight reel and comparing it to our cruddy life. Listen, turn that junk off. There's only one place we should compare ourselves, and that's the Word of God. And last time I checked, there's every one of us. Is everybody... I mean, we'll look at somebody else's family when they walk into church and they just look perfect. Lean in real close. They ain't. I found this out. Those that look the part many times, those that walk in that never trust anybody that's always smiling. Somebody help me tonight. 
If they always walk in and every hair's right in place and their kids are always listening to them, if you're not careful, you're going to start buying into a lie about something that ain't even real. You'll begin to compare your family and you'll begin to compare your spouse. And you, it, it, Listen, comparing always leads to problems and disappointment. You see, what ends up happening is they made what I call that minivan transformation. They pulled that minivan. They've been on the way to church that Sunday morning. How many of y'all know that Satan attacks on Sunday morning? For 21 years, my wife and I have drove separate cars to church. Dead serious. 21 years. But people head to church and they're fighting on the way. Man, they're half-dressed on the way. Man, they're screaming at each other or not talking to each other. They're angry at the kids. Man, they're beating each other with a shoe. And then all of a sudden, that minivan turns on to the Nottingham Missionary Baptist Church property. The minivan turns on the property and it goes into that spot. If you've got one of those nice vans, we were too poor to ever have one, but you push a button and those doors go like that. An amazing miracle happens. His mama steps out. She was just cussing at her husband as that high heel begins to touch that ground. An amazing thing happens. His brother so-and-so gets out of that, gets out of that truck, and that he's a man of God, that cowboy boot hits the ground. Somebody help me. Amazing thing happens. Those babies, and they're walking into church after all that mess, calling each other brothers, shout to the Lord. You know, they're singing. It's all great. Can I just tell you something? It ain't real. They got just as many problems as you do. Comparing yourself, I'm just telling you, it's a problem, it's an issue, and it'll send you there every single time because you're comparing it to something that is not real. That's what he was doing. Second Corinthians, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. Guess what it says? They're not wise. Man, another cause of it tonight is this, the feeling of failure. You ever just felt like a failure? Man, I have. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've got behind the pulpit like this, Brother Dale, somewhere. Got up and preached. Tried to do my best and studied and then prayed. Man, I felt like nothing happened. And I end up putting the pressure on myself and instead of allowing the book to do what it does, go back to that hotel room, sit there, Brother Mike. Say, man, I couldn't help those people. I wanted to. God has to remind me up here, it ain't about you. You're not a failure. Listen, if we're not careful, we're feel, we'll feel in the Christian life that we're a failure. Listen, it's not by might nor by, is everybody, look, by his power. The problem in Romans chapter number 7 was Paul was trying to do the works of the spirit in the flesh. And Jesus was enough. He realized that in chapter 8, the answer to it. Listen, can I just remind you, you may feel like a failure tonight. You may feel like you preach your guts out, preacher, every week and nobody's listening. Nobody comes to the altar. Let me just say this. Be faithful. Do what God's called you to do. It's not up to you to change lives. It's not up to you to build a church. Hey, it's our job to get up and just simply be faithful. Feeling of a failure. And he was feeling of this. He was feeling lonely. I'm alone. Verses 10 and 14. I, only I, am the only one left. This is what happened. When we compare, we feel like a failure, we feel like we're alone. I wonder how many times, and I felt this way, man, I've, I've walked into church on Sunday morning, just felt, man, I'm the only one that cares. I felt that way. And I've walked in, and I'm a little bit of a clean freak. I like when I walk into our auditorium, there better be lines on that carpet or I'm hanging a staff member. Somebody help me. 
man, I want everything straight. I want everything right. I mean, there's times I come in and things aren't done the way that I want them. Being honest. Sometimes, you know what I'll think? Man, I'm the only one that actually cares. Is that true? Probably not. But in my flesh, guess what? I'm alone. That's where Satan wants me so often. Because when I feel like a failure, and when I feel like I'm alone, and listen, even if I am alone, sometimes we forget there's one, oh my goodness, that's always there with me. And that feeling of loneliness. So what do I do when I get to this place? If you've never been to this place, let me just tell you something, you're coming to it at some point. I used to not understand when I'd see friends that quit the ministry. Brother D, I didn't understand. Honestly. I didn't understand I had a friend of mine just two years ago, and Steve, you know him, one of, one of my dearest friends in the world, had a mental breakdown after a service one Sunday. Felt like somebody was sitting on his chest, was out of the pulpit for six months, and I almost in my mind began to condemn him. I never understood. So one day I went through something. You may never have been through something. You may never understand or be able to have sympathy or empathy for someone that's been through it. Can I just tell you, there comes a day for all of us where we're going to be discouraged at some point. I mean, there's going to be times for all of us where we feel like we want to quit. I've been in church a long time, my whole life. I mean, I've seen two different people go through the exact same trial. One of them runs, their life ends up a mess, and then I've seen another one, man, they go through it and they're faithful to the end. My worship leader and music director of our church have watched Two years ago, was his wife, they found out, young young lady, 34 years old, find out she's got cancer. These are faithful young people. They drive to my church an hour every service. To Watched him the next two years, Brother Mike. Never miss a beat. Always be in his place. Always remain faithful. He got up one night after that and gave a testimony, Brother Steve, about the goodness of God. And I sat there and wept because I couldn't relate and I couldn't understand. But yet he was faithful. Watch other families get a hangnail. God doesn't love them. There's no FBI couldn't find them right. What makes the difference in that? Y'all seen it? What is it that makes the difference? A person's life where they can make it long term. I love being around men like Brother Gary that have spent their life, spent their life preaching the Word of God. I love being around men like Brother Steve's daddy. 40 and 50 years, the same pulpit, traveling every Monday and Tuesday, preaching in churches across this country, 50 years later still doing it. What makes a difference? I mean, what is it that keeps a person going in the dark times? Because you're going to have some, some self-inflicted, some you can't control. They're coming. What, what is it that helps us? What, what are the cures for those moments that we're in the funk? I want to know, don't you? Because we've all been there and we all want to. I Just transparency. I've, been, I've sat in my office before on a Sunday morning. Can I just be honest with you? I've sat in my office. I've got to preach two services back-to-back every Sunday morning and another one Sunday night, usually going somewhere to preach after that. I sat in my office, Kogan, on Sunday morning before. You know, I don't really feel like preaching. Because people aren't listening. Accuser of the brethren start getting in my head a little bit. Man, what do we do in that moment? Man, what, what was a person to do? Man, I'd like to tell you that every day, as Brother Steve said, I'd like to tell you every day is a mountaintop. But what in the world do we do when we're in the valley? What do we do when we're ready to quit? I noticed from our text that just a couple things that God gives us, just three or four little things here. The first thing that I noticed in verses 5 through 8, when we get in that funk, when we get in that place, verse, look at verse 5, is he lay 
and he slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him, and he said unto him, look what he says unto him, Arise and what? And eat. He says, Arise and eat. Look at verse 6, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake. Praise God for cake. Your preacher's wife makes some great cake. But look at this. There's a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he, this is interesting. What did he do? He ate and he drank. He didn't pray. He didn't get counseling. He ate and he drank. And then look what he does. He lays back down. You know what Elijah needed right here in his life? He needed a physical refresher. He needed some rest. Do you know the Sabbath? And I know Jesus is our Sabbath. I understand the theology of that. But you know sometimes... We live in a busy, stinking world. Man, I remember even in ministry, I lived in Baltimore for 12, 13 years. I had church, two services on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night, many times counseling or going out to eat with people on Sunday nights. Monday night, men's basketball league. Tuesday night was soul winning. Wednesday night was Bible study. Thursday night was Bible college from 6 to 10. Friday night was Reformers Unanimous. Saturday morning was soul winning. Sunday morning was two services. You see what I'm saying there? I wish I could go back because I missed the first eight years of my daughter's life. No rest. Can I just tell you as a church, you preachers, y'all listen to me. I used to feel guilty taking a day off. God has intended for us, first of all, to find rest in Him daily through His Word and through prayer and through our relationship with Him. But He's also intended us for just to rest. Things can wait. Man, there, there, you can say, let me teach you a word that we don't say too much in our culture anymore. No. Some of us, it's been a long time, and this is another sermon, and I'm not going to get on a rabbit trail here, but to say no to our kids sometimes. There's times where they, our babies need to be at home, and they need to sit around the table with us, and we need to be a family. They don't have to be at every sporting event. If it's on a Sunday, well, I'm not going to, y'all let your preacher deal with that. Listen, sometimes we just need to slow down. Sometimes we need to be still. Know that He is God. We live in a noisy world. We're, man, we're hearing noise from everywhere. We walk around with AirPods in all the time. We've got the radio on all the time. There's people, all these voices. Some of us can't go through this service without checking social media. We're bombarded. Constant. God, we, we don't hear you. You know why we don't hear Him? We're listening to everybody else but Him. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. It, like, you see what he, he's listening to the right people, that blessed man. Some of us are listening to everybody but who we should be listening to. Some of us just need to simply slow down. If you find yourself in the funk, if you find yourself too busy, I just want to tell you, slow down. Get some sleep. Eat some cake. I'm just telling you what the King James says. Physical refreshment. Me and Steve have watched friends. He mentioned it to you. I, I can tell you four churches within 30 miles of my church right now that don't have pastors. One of them I know right now sits with 70, 75 people every Sunday to find a pastor. A great church. Because men are, men, they're not taking care of themselves. Slow down. Have a physical refresher. Say no. I love... Matthew, I love the word of God, it's so good. Listen to this. Come unto me, 
all ye that are laboring or heavy laden. And I will give rest. Some of her are trying to carry a yoke we were never <laughs> intended to carry. Take my yoke upon you. Listen, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I used to hear preachers say, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. God will give you more than you can handle. He won't give you more than he can handle. Sometimes we just need to rest. Let me give you two more quickly. I love this one. Not only did he need a physical refresher, he needed a mental reminder. Look at verse 18. Remember what he said before I read verse 18? Think with me. He said, listen, y'all, y'all listen to me. He said, I'm the only one that hadn't bowed. I'm the only one, listen, I, I'm not seeing God do anything. I'm the only one that hadn't bowed. He had forgot those past victories. I'm the only one. He needed to be reminded of some things. And I just want to remind us of some things real quickly. Was it really as bad as Elijah was making it? Think about this. Look at verse 18. You got your Bible? Yet I have left me. Are y'all seeing this? Oh, I'm the only one. Look at it. 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed. Now, was Elijah the only one left? No. There's 7,000 at least that hadn't bowed. Because of his self-centeredness? Because, y'all... He needed to be reminded, hey, you're not the only one, pal. You're not the only one. You, you're not the only one. Not only have you forgotten some past victories, but you're not the only one. If we're not careful in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, we'll start thinking that we're the only church and we're the only people and, there's, and that the, all the culture's gone woke and there's nobody that's serving to the Lord. I've got some news for you. I'm all over this country. He's all over this country. He's all over this country. Kogan's all over the place. There's thousands. Y'all listen to me tonight that have not bowed yet. Hey, we're not the only ones. Hey, we're not the only ones still serving. There's churches all over this country that love God and preach the word and are seeing revival right now. Hey, it's about time that we stop walking around with a poochy lip disease and remember tonight that God is still on the throne tonight. He had forgotten. He had forgotten that that same God that sent ravens to feed them, oh my goodness, just two chapters earlier, he forgotten that that same God, oh my goodness, that same God, that same God, that had, yo, that same God that had multiplied the widow's meal, he had forgotten that that same God that had raised that little boy from the dead was the same God that was still on the throne when he was in his depression and when he was in his funk. And I'm just here to tell you tonight that that same God is still on the throne. When you begin to get in that funk, sometimes we got a short-term memory, Brother Mike, that that same God that saved your soul and saved my soul, when I was on a slick road to hell, he picked me up out of the mire and clay and he set my feet on a rock and he established my going. Hey, the same God. And by the way, if that's all God's ever done for you, he's done enough tonight. And before we get depressed, before we get in a funk, we need to go back to Calvary and the cross and say, God, if all you've ever done is save my soul, God, that's enough. And I'll lift my hands and I'll praise you tonight because, God, you've been so good to me we forget the answered prayers of the past don't we you're to walk in our Airbnb we're in right now it's awesome an old barn those stairs are so steep most of us couldn't make them I'm telling you dangerous I was like there's no way OSHA check this thing out dangerous you were to walk in there right now on the there's a kitchen table sitting there a little blue notebook on there because I used to struggle Remembering all the times God's answered prayers. 
I started a few years ago because I'm not as spiritual as most. I forget things. I begin to start writing down every time somebody give me a prayer request. Every time somebody. I used to stand at the door. I still do and shake hands after both services. People Brother Jake, will you pray for this? Preacher, will you pray for this? Sure, I'll pray for it and I forget about it. Or I put it in my phone and I get home and I transcribe it in there. Pray for it every day. I remember praying for COVID. I remember praying for your baby. And I remember Brother Dale, pray for Brother Dale every single day. I've been praying for Brother Steve about a situation in his church. I've been praying for two boys with the last name Ferber for over a year in his church every single day. If you were to go back, and I'm not saying that, I'm not the hero, I'm just telling this, help me. I've been to go back, those first two pages where they were just blue ink written out. That whole page is highlighted. You know what that highlight represents? There's a date on one side, the date I wrote it down. Then there's a date on the other side, the date that God answered it. When I get in a funk, because I get in a, when I start wondering if God can answer prayer, man, when I start wondering and I feel like, man, I can't do this another day, and I, God, I don't have the strength, oh, so many times I'll go into that secret place, and I'll open that blue book, and I won't even begin to pray, I'll just go back to the beginning and start reading, oh, oh my goodness, this will make a Presbyterian shout tonight, y'all better help me, I'll go back and begin to read those, and be able to look over those, and remember those small things that I thought were big at one time, that I don't even remember anymore, that God just came through, because he's always on time, God's been so good to us, hasn't he, he's answered so many prayers, brother Steve, Man, I, he's answered. I mean, there was a man I, I'm thinking about right now we prayed for for years. And prayed for him, lifted up his name to God, never thought he'd get saved. Can I just remind y'all, God, God is still at work in this world. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. All this junk you see on the news, not everybody's gone crazy. We preached just two weeks ago, didn't we, down in Georgia, to a room packed out with teens that love God. He hadn't got them all. Don't believe the lies. Listen, don't believe it tonight. He's still on the throne tonight. Elijah had forgotten, and that's all I'm trying to tell you tonight. When you feel alone, when you feel like you're the only one, you're not. Hey, you've got a church family, and you've got a preacher, and you may not have a church family, you may not have a preacher, but you've got a God tonight. The same God that Elijah had. Man, he needed a physical refresher. He needed a mental reminder. I love this in verse number 9. He needed a spiritual renewal. He came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. And I love this. This couldn't be any more perfect right here. And look what comes in. The word of the Lord came to him. He needed spiritual renewal. You know, sometimes we just simply get in a funk. This is why. It's not because God's changed. Because we've changed. The time in my life's where I get cold and indifferent. Times that I do. We're in church multiple times a week. Met and heard the greatest preacher you've ever heard walk across this country. If we're not careful, our heart will begin to get hard. I've heard that before. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. Nah. Words not just speaking to me when I'm at church. There has to come a point where we go from babes having somebody else feed us. Remember when your babies were babies? My daughter's turning 20 this year. I don't look that I don't look old enough to have a daughter. 
Yeah, I do. Okay. My daughter's going to be 20. I remember when Caitlin Joy Potters, we, we moved here in this area when she was about two months old. Back then, when you went to buy baby food, it wasn't cool like it is. You walked in, you didn't have all these little squirty pouches and all this mess. You had these jars. And in these jars, many times you saw the most god-awful stuff you've ever seen in your life. Smashed up peas. Y'all remember that? All that mess? And we used to have to get her, and in order to feed her, guess what we had to do? And we had to make it pretty somehow. And I had to, I remember putting on a spoon, Brother Dale, and you probably remember doing this. Start flying it around like it's an airplane. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That didn't work after a while, so then you'd pinch them, ah! Shove it in their throat. Here's the sad part. Many of us are like that when it comes to the Word of God and it comes to Listen, he's not up there acting a fool. Not funny. He's not excited. If it, we, many of us are still at that. We've been in church our whole entire lives, and the Bible still bores us. We have to have someone not take that spoon with baby food, but have some sort of circuit that we'll listen to. There's got to come a point for every one of us where on Monday morning, when we've had church on Sunday, we wake up early and we go to the table and we're able to reach out and grab that fork for ourselves. We're going to take a big old bite. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you can do that, can I just tell you what that is? That's what spiritual maturity is. When you go from having to have him feed you all the time and have him feed you all the time and you can sit, oh my goodness, you can sit at the table. You can feed your... Man, he needed a spiritual renewal. Can I just ask you this? More than your attendance to the exposition conference. How's your attendance around the throne of God? Michaela, can you help me out? We're about done. Think about that. Tomorrow, let's just rewind to Monday. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to guilt you. I want you to think with me. This past Monday, don't you hate when that alarm goes off? Yes, you do. You hate it. This past Monday, though, let's rewind. Monday morning, did you have a time where you personally opened this book? This past Tuesday, Sunday school teachers, listen to me. Preachers, y'all, preachers, y'all, listen to me. This last Tuesday, did you have a time where you opened this book? God communicated with you because that's how. He, He's not speaking to you through this. He probably ain't speaking to you. You have a time this past Tuesday? This past Wednesday, I'm not asking if you've been saved for 20 years, been a church member, gave millions of dollars to the church. I just want to ask you this question. Man, this past Wednesday, did you have a time where you opened up God's word and you feasted on the manna from heaven? Job said it this way, his word more than my necessary food. Many of us right now in our lives, outside of the preaching, there's a famine in our land and we're, we're starving right now because we're getting fed on Sunday morning, we're getting fed on Wednesday night, but that's the only meals we're getting. This past Thursday, Dad, did you have a time where you went in the presence of God and you opened this holy book? It's not enough just to say it's inspired. It's not enough just to say it's infallible. We True faith moves us to action. I don't know about you, but I want my family, man, man, I want them to have a daddy that doesn't just talk about good things. Man, I want my daughter to have a daddy that just, doesn't just get up and preach, doesn't just get up and sing and go to meeting, but when she sees him at home, man, she sees him with the Bible open and sees him on his knees. 
There was a time early on in my marriage, it was early on, man, I was away from God, and I remember every single day leaving to go to work, and I'd see my wife in the living room, and I don't remember a day in 21 years of marriage, I did not see my wife in the living room with her Bible open, not one. Never said a word to me, Brother Mike, about it. Never said a word to my daughter. But that's a memory when you're running from the Lord that your baby, when they're running from the Lord that your young people and your babies and those that live in your house, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing when they see it. And that time with God. That's my challenge for you tonight. Out of all this, and I think that's pretty good, pretty good stuff in the Word of God tonight. His Word is awesome. So awesome that every one of us and we should have a relationship with this book. Let me say it this way. There's going to come a time, and Brother Dale could tell you about this. I could tell you about this. There's going to become a time where there's nobody in the world to talk to. There's going to come a time in your life, young people, that nobody's going to listen to you. There's not, it's going to feel like you're alone. You've cried so many tears, you don't feel like you can cry anymore. And nobody has an answer. Your preacher doesn't have an answer. Your spouse doesn't have an answer. Your friends don't have an answer. There's no words. And I'm just telling you from experience, it's in those moments of pain, in those moments of heartache, those moments under the juniper tree when you don't feel like living, that when you crack open this blessed old book and you begin to read it, you begin to feast on it, those tears begin to flow. Listen, somebody said God doesn't speak to us audibly, and He doesn't. He speaks to us a lot louder tonight I can't tell you how many times I open it exactly what I need for that day here's my challenge for you maybe you've gotten a little away from it a little bit maybe you're not feeding yourself I just want to encourage you make a decision tonight that tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're going to open that blessed old book man it's, it's water for that thirsty soul isn't it man it's food for that hungry soul listen it's comfort for that hard work. Man, his word, what we need. That's what Elijah needed. He needed the rest. He needed to cast his care, but he needed the book. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Let's stand on our feet. This altar's open. If you need a place to pray, we're not going to prolong it tonight, but maybe just for a minute, you need to go back. You just need to think about it. You need to recommit. Maybe you're going through it tonight. Maybe you're in the funk tonight. Maybe you need to ask God to pull you out of it and help you with it. This altar's open. Michaela plays tonight.
God, I want you to come and give this invitation. And, uh, and I want to thank my friend because I'm in the middle of this. And I don't know what to do. You're right. He's provided everything. Except what I think I need right now. What I want. I know we can. There's a lot of things I don't understand. And uh, I wish I could get up here and say, God, and, and I know God's good. Sometimes it don't seem like it. But he's always right. Sometimes it don't seem like it. And that's what I don't understand. So, Brother Mike, you're going to have to help us with this invitation. Because I'm in the middle of it now. I'm going to get to the other side. But I don't know when. Brother Mike, you help us tonight with this service. start over. I don't know what else to do with invitation, but this song's been on my heart, hasn't it, Daryl? I think I sent it to Daryl eight times. Skip it. Listen to the words, okay? Listen really carefully. Go, start. always been faithful 
Kayla, keep playing. Will God's men come and pray right here? Please. And I don't just mean preachers. Let's pray over this man of God. Call out to heaven tonight.
starting to get some of it. Let's just sing it again and let's let those words ring out. This is our anthem. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that Death and 